This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Bigger Picture on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row under the MCO. I'm Jilla Jacobs with T. Xiao Ik. Um, so the show is, you know, to keep you company as we stay home during this M- uh, MCO. And what we want to do is share a special curated list of arts, culture and entertainment from both here in Malaysia and, and globally that you can enjoy right from the home. Mm-hmm. So in our first one, you know, I think more than ever, all of us could use a little bit of laughter in our lives. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, many of our local stand-up comedians have decided to jump on various platforms such as Facebook and Instagram. Instagram to tickle our funny bones through the screen since they are unable to perform on stage. So what we're going to do um, for this segment is to highlight a few local stand-up comedians, give you a peek at their hilarious works and also talk about some of the shows they're doing online this MCO. That's right. So first up, we have Malaysia's first ever Chindian stand-up comedian, Gajan Nad. Uh, he often describes himself as half Chinese, half Indian, who looks like half, who looks like a half Malay but is frequently mistaken for a foreigner. <laughs> I think a lot of Malaysians can and relate yes. to that. Um, and what separates Gajan from many other stand-up comedians is his clean brand of humour. So his sets have no foul language, uh, there's no raunchy jokes and uh, religious quips are kept off the table as well. Yeah, so Gajan has been very prolific on the online space even before the MCO actually. Um, his show called What's Going On La where he picks current affairs topics and pokes fun at them has become a big hit on social media and now that he's mostly stuck indoors he's upped his game by doing virtual live shows as well well. So he recently did his first ever virtual stand-up comedy set on his Facebook page last week and he'll be doing more uh, real soon. Apart from that, he's also got a virtual improv comedy show coming up and an interview series titled Just Chat K, where he has uh, in-depth <laughs> conversations with fellow stand-up comedians. Yeah, and he's a relative newcomer to the scene. Um, mm. The first uh, time many people actually saw him perform was when he opened for Kevin J uh, during Kevin's anger management tour back in 2018. Mm. And, you you know, he's also done a comedy tour in India, 17 wow, shows, you know, right. not bad at all. Mm. And he was chosen as a TEDx speaker twice. And he's even performed at the Comics Lounge, uh, the very prestigious one over in Melbourne. Mm. So here's a short clip of him from his first virtual stand-up comedy show. I used to play a lot of Monopoly games with my mother. Let me tell you this. It is not easy playing Monopoly with a Chinese mother. Because to me, Monopoly is a board game. To my mother, it's a real estate seminar. I lose all the time. You understand? Every single time, I lose all the time because she buys all the properties, including the jail. Who buys the jail? My mother. Do you know how difficult it is for me as the banker to prevent her from buying the jail? I'll be like, mom, you can't buy the jail. Why can I buy? It's a very good buy because it's a landed property. Ma, you can't buy the jail. Why can I buy? It's a very good buy because in five years' time, there's going to be MRT train station there. Ma, you cannot buy the jail. Why can I buy? It's a very good buy because I always get tenants and the tenants stay there for more than 20 years. So that was Gajan Nat from his first virtual stand-up comedy show. And um, I think the thing that strikes me most is the lack of laughter. And that is <laughs> such a big part of stand-up comedy shows, right? right? So I wonder how the comedians are dealing with it uh, when they're doing it because they don't have the energy to feed off from. Yeah. And the, 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 
Yeah, I, I, and and the crowd just banters with you, and you they heckle you. Yeah, and they tend to respond to that, isn't yes. it? And I mean, they feed off, like you said, they feed off that energy. They feed off the whatever heckles mm, are yes. coming their way to mm, fight back. You know, yes. so there's that the very one sided sort of conversation. Is it yeah. must be a bit tricky for I them. I mean, even listening to Gajan and uh, you know his 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 lines are there. Mm. Um, the 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 timing is there, but it feels. I'm not gonna say it feels. Um, off, but it feels different. And it's just going to take a lot of getting used to, I think, for people who are fans of uh, comedy. Yeah, and I think it affects also the way, I mean, he would emote as well, mm. right? Because there's no, yeah, there's, there's no, no feedback. Yeah, mm. there's no feedback. Well, it's uh, it's new times for everyone. The new it's, normal. It's worth trying it out, I'm sure. And they're doing a good job um, doing that. So um, you can head over to facebook.com slash gajanat, oh, sorry, slash gajan.nat. Or you can just search for um, G-A-J-E-N-N-A-D, that's his name, on Facebook to check out all of his videos. Yes, and the next comedian, or should I say pair of comedians that we'd like to highlight is Papi Zak and Kavin J, who throughout the MCO have been putting up a series called The Puppy and Grumpy Show. <laughs> <laughs> and Grumpy, of course, because Kavin J is known as Malaysia's grumpiest comedian. Um, but, you know, we did speak about him last week, actually, this Grumpy Macha. And uh, today we're going to touch a little bit about uh, about his partner in crime. Yes, uh, so Papi Zak uh, considers himself the biggest comedian in the country. And uh, no, this veteran who's been performing stand-up for close to 15 years isn't bragging about how popular he is. Rather, he's poking fun at his own body size. So Papiza is known for his witty observations on the absurdities of everyday life. Yeah, so one can only imagine the kind of shenanigans he gets up to when he teams up with Kevin J. Mm. Uh, and just to be clear, the Papi and Grumpy show isn't a stand-up comedy show per se. It's more of a one-hour podcast-style show where the, you know, the two friends discuss various current affair topics, mm. but mostly go off on wacky tangents about anything under the sun. Um, they're also very, very interactive with their viewers. So if you drop them a comment or even a bunch of them, it's highly likely that they'll respond to you with something funny. Yeah. And uh, because of the format of their show, uh, playing a short clip wouldn't do it justice. So instead, here's a couple of interview clips from the Comedy Club Asia and Comedy Central Asia, where Poppy Zak talks about how he broke into the scene as well as his routine before going on stage. What up? I'm Papi Zak, the biggest stand-up comedian in Malaysia, in size. I approached a good friend of mine, uh, Arith Iskanda. He recommended me to do this open mic night at Bangsa Actor Studio. And ever since then, it was just... Uh, I got... I'm, I fell in love. I'm naturally like a very chill kind of guy, so I always have to slap myself, like, in the face, like... Wake up, and then I'll be like... So that was Papi Zak talking about how he broke into the scene as well as his routine before going on stage. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to watch the Papi and Grumpy show, just head on over to facebook.com slash Papi Grumpy. That's P-A-P-I-G-R-U-M-P-Y. They go live Every day from 4 to 5pm. Mm, every day, okay. Um, <laughs> right after that, um, at 5pm is a similarly formatted and equally entertaining show called Daytime Mama Quarantine Sessions by Kiran Baladevan and Brian Tan. And uh, these boys are big time record holders as they frequently, um, humorously put it, they're the first and longest running comedy quarantine live stream show <laughs> in Malaysia. <laughs> well done, guys. <laughs> yes. And uh, actually, there are already 40 episodes to date. So 
So, uh, well, they've, it looks like they've been doing one every day since yeah, uh, one since, since the, the MCO. MCO. Quite yeah. prolific. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, both uh, Kieran and Brian have been performing stand-up for many years. Kieran is actually part of the Malaysian comic group The Angry Indians with Andrew Neto, Kevin Jay, of course, and uh, Prakash Daniel. So, Kieran is um, very sarcastic. If you've uh, heard or seen any of his shows, he loves ranting about you know, hipsters, pop culture, and a whole host of other things that irritate him. <laughs> we should be part of that show. That's right. <laughs> we'll have our own show. We'll have Juliet. our own show, Week and Juliet show. Yes. Um, and yeah, Brian is uh, not part of the Angry Indians for obvious reasons, mm. um, but he is um, he is friends with Kieran and the rest of the boys, and he has been so for ages. So he's known for his quick one-liners and his unique delivery and joke structures. And in 2019, Brian performed his first ever one-hour show. So we actually got a chance to have a quick chat with Kieran about their show during the MCO. When asked why he and Brian decided to start daytime quarantine sessions, Kieran said, we knew that we wouldn't be able to perform on stage until the MCO is over. So we decided to take our comedy online and do something different from stand-up. We mm. just want to keep making jokes and this was a good way of doing um, at this time both for entertaining people and maintaining our sanity. Yeah, I think that's great because um, it's this, these and as we keep saying, it's starting to sound like a broken record, but these are unprecedented times. Mm. But it's forcing people to innovate yeah. and to find new ways of doing, perhaps if they had been in some sort of com- comfort zone before, it's forcing them to find new ways of doing things. And who knows, you might find a gem yeah. in that, right? Uh, and it's also probably going to challenge the way they write jokes, you know, because yes. you know, a lot of it, like we said earlier, is about feeding off the energy of mm. the audience. So now you need to... to take that whole thing out of the, the picture and come yeah. up with more creative ways of sustaining an audience and, you know, an online audience at that. How difficult can that, can that be? Yeah, because you, li- you you don't know who's listening. You don't know their demographics. Yeah. <laughs> you, because um, you, you don't know your joke, whether it's hitting a flat note or not. And that's um, so much of a comedian's work goes into perfecting that the, the, their jokes over and over again, right. right? By by seeing what works with uh, what kinds of crowds. Yeah, and I guess, you know, they have to rely, I suppose, on chats, you know, or, mm. or comments that come in. And, you mm. know, we all know those are full of trolls anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> it must be really hard. They, had to, they do have their work cut out for them. That's I true, yeah. Um, well, their show has definitely helped me keep my sanity as well. Um, if you'd like to check out Daytime Mama Quarantine Sessions, just head on over to facebook.com slash one mic stand so that's um, one the numeral m-i-c-s-t-a-n-d a new episode airs live every day at 5pm so that's um, the three that we've um, decided to feature for you today uh, when it comes to local comedians local stand-up comedians doing their stuff online um, you know there's there's a lot more to check out I'm sure and if any of you are um, stand-up comedian fans uh, do share with us what you've been watching or listening to you can tweet us at BFM Radio or WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Uh, coming up after a short break, we'll be coming back with our second recommendation. Stay tuned for that. But first, here's a short clip of Brian Tan performing at LOL Asia. Yes, that is me. My name is Brian. I am a Chinese boy with an English name. That's very common here in Malaysia. If you guys must know, my Chinese name is Brian. Uh... Nice to meet you. My Chinese name is Tan Hansun. Yeah. Chinese names always three in here, right? Huh? Like my name, Tan Hansun, uh, Chan Siu Mei, uh, Li Mao Ice. It's always just three in here, right? So, why, huh? 
That's because a lot of Chinese people here, right? That's because we're very superstitious. Ah, we're scared of the number what? Four. Ah, in Cantonese, four is say, you know, die, you know, sigh, die, 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 like that, you know. Ah. So that's why our names also stuck at four in name. Yeah, that's why. We're so scared of four, ah, we change it to what? Three E's or more. Ah. So my full name ah, is not four, you know. My full name is so Chinese, it's actually three A. Ah. Brian Tan Han Soon, three Chinese names, one American name. Ah, three A. Ah. Bias Free Media, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Front Row under the MCO, where we keep you up to date on all the free arts and culture offerings out there, which you can catch from the comfort of your home. I'm Julia Jacobs, joined by T. Xiao Yig. And in our second offering for today, it's the New York Philharmonic's Mahler Festival, which was planned in honour of Gustav Mahler, one of the Philharmonic's former music directors. So like many other events right now, it has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. So it has instead become a digital celebration. Mm. And since the 16th of April and right up until the 30th of April, new new content has been released on the Philharmonic's website, including video and audio recordings of past performances of Mahler's symphonies to celebrate his work and his life specifically in New York. If you're not familiar with Gustav Mahler, he's an Austrian Jewish composer and one of the leading conductors of his generation. In his lifetime, he established his status as a conductor beyond doubt, but his work as a composer only received much of its recognition decades after his death in 1911, in part due to a ban on music by Jewish composers such as Mahler during the Nazi era. Born in 1860, Mahler was a pianist prodigy from a young age and he entered the prestigious Vienna Conservatory when he was only 15 years Mm. old. After graduating from the conservatory, he turned to conducting for a more secure livelihood and only composing during his summer vacations. So the next few decades saw him conducting posts in rising importance across Europe, ultimately becoming the artistic director of the Vienna Court Opera in 1897 at the young age of 37. Mm, Impressive. Very. And in 1908, Mahler moved to New York with his wife Alma and daughter Anna. He then joined the New York Philharmonic as its music director in 1909. While he was only there for two brief years, he made his mark nonetheless. And it was with the Philharmonic that he conducted his first symphony's American debut. Since then, the Philharmonic has performed Mahler's first symphony 198 times in courts and on tours. So this is this brings us back to the content that's being released during the digital festival. So a rebroadcast of the 2005 live performance at the Lincoln Centre conducted by then music director Lauren Mazel was the first to be released. It's an hour-long affair but here's a short excerpt from it where Mahler recast a familiar children's song, Frère Jacques, as a funeral march.
So throughout his lifetime, Mahler wrote several compositions, including nine complete symphonies, and he left behind an unfinished 10th symphony when he passed away in 1911. So throughout the Digital Festival, the New York Philharmonic is releasing all 10 symphonies, yeah, including the unfinished one as well, on their website. So all you have to do is look up nyphil.org slash MahlerNY. All 10 symphonies are also available on audio, while a select few such as the 1st, 2nd and 7th will also be in video form. And uh, up until today, the 1st to 8th symphonies are available for you to listen on their website with the last two symphonies uh, to be put up over the next few days. Yeah, and besides the symphonies, the Philharmonic has also put up a rebroadcast of Mahler's Kindertoten Lieder from 2011. So the English translation of the title is Songs on the Death of Children and mm. it's based on a group of poems written by Friedrich Ruckert in an outpouring of grief following the illness and death of his own two children. Mm. It's also widely theorised that the 25-minute song cycle is based on his own childhood memories where several of his brothers had died in infancy. In this performance, the Philharmonic plays under the baton of Alan Gilbert alongside baritone Thomas Hampson. There's also a shorter performance of parts of the 5th and 10th symphonies by the current musicians from their own home Mm. called Mahler Grooves. Here's a snippet of the rarely performed piano quartet, the Adagietto from Mahler's 5th symphony. Mahler Festival is not just about Mahler's music. Um, you know, for those of you listening who want to know more about Mahler's life in New York, there's also an online archival exhibit that's being done in collaboration with Google Arts and Culture. Mm. So, you know, from his arrival in New York in 1908 to his tenure with the Philharmonic, you know, you can find out about that. Mm. You can also find out how the city influenced his music. There are also um, short briefs on chapters of his life accompanied by archived images of the city uh, where Mahler... With Mahler and his family featured, of course, as well as annotated music scores um, available. So quite the, um, I guess it really, if you number one, if you're a Mahler enthusiast, this is great for you, but mm. also a great way for those who don't know anything about him uh, to dive in. And it looks like you can just um, pick and choose what interests you and see whether you want to um, explore further. Right? Yeah, it's like a whole, uh, it's like a whole learning... It's ca- a Britannica, <laughs> it's a you know. A Mahler Britannica. Yes, that's right. Uh, you know, other things that, there's there, uh, that are there also are short audio snippets such as, uh, you know, explaining elements that Mahler incorporated into his symphonies, if mm. you want to find out. And there's also readings of Alma, uh, his wife's diary entries, wow. you know, and reviews of his work published in newspapers, uh, particularly by Henry, Henry Kriebel, who was Mahler's most outspoken and disapproving oh, wow. critic during his <laughs> tenure. So I guess a very well-balanced sort mm. of, you know, uh, look at Mahler's life. And there are also snippets from the Philharmonic musicians speaking about playing under Mahler's baton. So I'm sure there's some very interesting insights from that. Yeah. 
Yeah, but there's also a virtual walking tour um, that guides you through what New York looked like during Mahler's time and how it is now. So these are archived images um, from uh, the, the early uh, 1900s when he was in New York, juxtaposed with images from Google Street View of what it looks like now, which I think is, wow, is a very great idea, yeah. right? And it's actually narrated by musicians from the New York Philharmonic um, and they feature key places during his life here. Uh, during his life in New York, even things like his subway stops uh, or the arcade where he once attended a seance. <laughs> See, this just makes the music far more, you know, engaging. You're like, okay, so this is why his music That's was right. like this, like right? This, yeah. You get an insight into what his uh, lived realities were, yes. you know, what influenced the way he wrote right. quite rather sad sounding music. Um, I yes. mean, Muller is known to be quite... Um, I guess the dark composer, mm. right? You mm. know, some very uh, gripping sort of music yes. coming out from him. So, I mean, this is fascinating. Yes. Imagine putting it together. That must have been so wonderful for the for the musicians as well. That's true, yes. Um, and I, it, it sounds like the Philharmonic really reveres him, even though actually, if you think about it, he was there with them for uh, quite a short time, only two years or awesome. And um, yet he must have made such an impact on them and Definitely. his legacy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I picked this up from the New York Philharmonic website. Um, they wrote that um, they wanted to share something that Mahler had written as a reminder that in this period of global isolation and crisis, there is comfort and inspiration to be found in his music and musings. And so here um, is something that he wrote um, on his Symphony Number no. 2, Resurrection. And now in this solemn and deeply stirring moment, when the confusion and distractions of everyday life are lifted like a hood from our eyes, a voice of awe-inspiring solemnity chills our heart, a voice that, blinded by the mirage of everyday life, we usually ignore. What next, it says? What is life and what is death? Will we live on eternally? Is it all an empty dream or do our life and death have a meaning? And we must answer this question if we are to go on living. Wow. I yes, I I cannot believe um, that at the time when he wrote this, these words would make so much sense today. Today, exactly, and um, you know, really like hitting the nail on the head. It's yes. like everything that we are going through right now, yes. and I suppose that's why you know, even listening to the music now would just really resonate with mm, us. I, I think suspect, so. yeah. yes, because it um, and those words, right? It 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 puts um, his music into these expressions of um, where we reflect. And we question, mm -hmm. and we look at something beyond this this immediate reality yes. um, that we're in. And you know, just to sort of, I guess you know, also put into perspective that you know what happened all those years ago also found uh, a conclusion, I suppose. And you know, life did sort of get back to normal. And maybe That's there's a, a glimmer of hope mm -hmm. in that sense, you know, mm. to take from to take from history and to learn, hopefully, mm. and to not make the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. And well, <laughs> well one, we hope we hope. Can hope. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Again, um, access to all of these performances um, are free. You can head over to the New York Phil uh, to nyphil.org slash ny, and the link will also be up in our podcast. But I'm afraid that's all the time we have for today's show. If you would like to drop us a message, just look us up on Facebook. Just search for BFM The Bigger Picture and you can get in touch with us there. If you miss any part of the show today, you can listen to the podcasts at bfm.my or on the BFM app. And we are also available on Spotify. Coming up at 1pm, 1, 1 it's um, Midday Music Machine with Daryl Ong and Hanif Baharudin. 
and they have promised a rather eclectic uh, selection of music for us. As As always, always, really looking forward to that. So do stay tuned. But for now, we leave you with a snippet from Kinder Toten Lieder, conducted by the then music director Alan Gilbert and featuring baritone Thomas Hampson. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.